Welcome to the BC Podcast, featuring a weekly message from Believer's Church in Warren, Ohio. For more information, visit www.believers.cc. Back in the 70s, my brother Tony and I were really into bodybuilding, so we decided to open up a gym uh, here in the valley. And this is before Planet Fitness existed, Global Physique. This is back when there weren't any of those types of gyms. And uh, so we flew out to California and we visited Gold's Gym, which was on Venice Beach. And that's where Arnold worked out and all those guys, Arnold, that was his gym at the time. So we talked to the owner, Ken Sprague, and we found out how they did things. And we thought, we'll bring that back to the valley here. And I, while I was there, I saw Arnold and he asked me if I'd train him. So I, you know, I trained him for a day and then <laughs> had dinner with him. And yeah, right. Okay. So then I flew back <coughs> and uh, we opened up the Still Valley Barbell Club in Boardman. It was right across from the Southern Park Mall. And we had a mission, like we were into creating bodybuilders. So we, we never had a woman join our gym at that time. Uh, it was just all about bodybuilders. We had some power lifters and we had mirrors everywhere and guys were always, you know, flexing and <laughs> winking at themselves, you know. And uh, so it was that kind of atmosphere. And I had one goal, here is my goal. My goal was to create bodybuilding disciples, just guys that were fanatic about bodybuilding. And, and we sold over 1,000 memberships the first two years. We had all kinds of guys that came, and we were converting them into these passionate disciples of bodybuilding. And it's amazing what they did and what they gave up. It, it was amazing. Um, we sold supplements, and the average guy was buying a couple hundred dollars worth of supplements a month, you know, all the different types of proteins and minerals and vitamins, just buying all kinds of, of things like that. But the craziest thing is to watch what they'd eat, and I was doing the same thing, but, I mean, we were, uh, you know, for contests, we were eating grilled chicken and steamed broccoli for breakfast, snack, lunch, snack, dinner, snack. Can you imagine the boringness of that diet? But we were doing it for a cause. But we also gave up all kinds of other things. We weren't getting drunk. We weren't getting high during the times of training. Um, we gave all that up. Guys gave up sex because they wanted to concentrate for two or three months while they're training for a contest. And we're reading everything we can get our hands on. We're bringing speakers in to do seminars. We're working out two, three hours a day in a gym. Our whole lives changed and we became radical and everything was centered around that life of being a bodybuilder. Then I accepted Christ and once I accepted Christ, I, I just felt led to go to Bible school. I got out of that, went to Bible school, and then I found myself doing the same thing with Jesus. I just became a Jesus disciple and became fanatical about my relationship with Jesus. Not weird, but I just sold out like I did, you know, I, I was eating broccoli and, ch and grilled chicken, you know, all day long. Uh, and, uh, you know, I, I was buying all these supplements and doing all these things. And I just sold out and said, Jesus, I'm going to just find out what you want and sell out to you. And that's what I did. Then after Bible school, came back here to start Believers. And uh, I had a goal in mind. I still, it's the same goal I have now, guys. Um, my goal is to bring people into the kingdom. And then it's to make passionate disciples for Jesus. And if you come to believers, that's my goal. I want to I get you to become a passionate follower of Christ. And it's interesting, 
uh, I'm, I'm really on a spiritual level uh, really still doing the same thing I did when I had the gym. I'm just teaching people, here's what the Bible says, here's what God wants you to do with your life, and then people have to decide. You can't make anybody do anything, but they have to decide. And last week, if you weren't here, that was lesson one in our series titled, uh, Kind of a Big Deal. And in lesson one, we talked about this city is kind of a big deal, and we talked about God's heart for people that are not Christians and how he wants us to be passionate to bring them into the kingdom. Now, today we're going to talk about what I call the second commander's intent. This is almost as important, but in, in we could say they're equal, but God wants to make sure our number one focus is always bringing souls in, but he also wants my focus to be turning people into disciples. So, I teach a certain way for this reason. I, I do everything I do for this reason. This church is set up because it's the heart of God for us to turn people into disciples. So um, here's what I titled today's lesson. Making disciples is kind of a big deal. That's our, that's our title. It's also my big idea. You know how I always say, there's one thing I want you to walk out with, never forget, never forget this thing, and understand it more clearly than you do already. That's our title. Making disciples is kind of a big deal. So if you've been here at Believers any length of time, you see that happening. It's, it's a really, really big deal to us to make disciples. And the reason is, is because it's the very heart of God to take someone that's not a disciple and turn them into a disciple. And it's important to understand up front, guys, disciples are made, not born. That's really important to understand. There's, there's two things you and I can be. We can be a Christian or we can be a disciple. A Christian is just simply someone that believed in Jesus. That's important. That's how we go to heaven. You know, we believe and we're saved and that's how we go to heaven. And that's wonderful. We don't go by works. We go by believing. But then Jesus wants you to go from there. And his goal for every Christian is to become a disciple. And that's when you and I become radical not in a weird sense, but radical in the sense that, hey, if following Jesus means I eat grilled chicken and steamed broccoli, that's, that's, if he wants me to do that, that's what I'm going to do. Aren't you glad he doesn't want you to do that? that? That's awesome. But whatever he wants, if I have to be in the gym two hours a day, I'm going to be in the gym two hours. Whatever I have to do to follow him, I want to find out what it is, and I want to do it. So Jesus gave us what we called last week the commander's intent, the, the Great Commission. He gave us the first part. Um, on the day he was raised from the dead. It was in a room, in a house. The second one came closer to his 40 days where he was to ascend into heaven. And that one took place on a mountaintop. And I want to read it to you. It's all about making disciples. So this took place on a mountaintop. It was done at a different time than going to all the world and preach the gospel. This, this one was done much later and separately. And it's Matthew 28, 19. It says, therefore, go and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, and then teach these new disciples to obey all the commands I have given you. And be sure of this, that I am with you always, even to the ends of the world. And don't you love that last statement? Jesus is helping us do what he's called us to do. But, but notice verse 19, make disciples. It, it's, a, it's, it's what we're called to do. So we bring them into the kingdom, but then God says, that's, that's cool. Now I want them to become passionate disciples. And the first step of becoming a disciple is going public. That's why he talks about water baptism. 
Water baptism is about you and I saying, you know what? I don't care who knows it. I don't care what they say. I love Jesus and I'm following him. And that's what, why it's going public. And it's that first step of becoming a disciple. And I always like to say to people, we live, we live in a culture today where people are, whether they're Protestant or Catholic, there's Protestants and, and of course, Catholics, they, they water baptize babies. That's okay. I don't believe there's anything wrong with it. But I think it's very important once you come of age and you make a decision to follow Jesus, that you become baptized again in water. And, 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 and it's not to save you. It's to say, I've decided to be a Christ follower and I'm going to show it in front of everybody I know. I'm going down in the water. I'm coming up. That's the heart of God for us to be water baptized. That's the first step. But listen, uh, I want to I celebrate. Would, would you celebrate with me for a moment? Because this is really exciting. Take a look at this. This year to date, we've had 344 people water baptized at BC. I think we, could, we should shout. And, that's exciting, man. That's exciting. It's incredible. And, and our whole church is set up for that to take place because it's that important to God. Making disciples is kind of a big deal. And if it's a big deal to God, God wants it to become a big deal to us. Now, I think all of us can agree that's a process. It doesn't happen overnight. It's a process. And our vision here at Believers is we exist to see a city connected with God. That's our vision. So how do we connect the city with God? Well, people that don't know Christ, believing in him, we've connected them with God. Christians who love Jesus, they know him, making them into disciples, we're connecting them with God. But you have to have a mission statement. The mission statement is different than the vision statement. The vision statement is, this is what we want to accomplish. The mission statement is, this is how we're going to do it. And so our mission statement's very unique, it's very simple, it's very easy to remember, and it goes like this, fan, friend, follower. That's, that's, that's our mission statement. And you know, when you see the word fan, everybody in front of that word, any person in front of that word, can be anything. They can be an atheist. You know, an atheist doesn't believe God exists. They can be agnostic. Someone that's agnostic says, I think there's a God, but I'm not sure. Maybe, maybe not. They could be religious. They could be someone that goes to church, prays, does religious things, but they don't know Jesus. They can be a hellraiser. They can be anybody, anywhere in between. And here's our goal. We know it's a process to become a disciple. We know we never stop growing as disciples. We know that process is going to take time in all of our lives. So our goal is turn people into fans friends, and then ultimately followers of Christ. And a fan is someone that says, you know what? I have positive feelings about God. God's, God's cool. I believe he's there. He's cool. And then a friend is someone that met Jesus. They're a friend of God. They, they know Jesus, and they probably love him a lot. But then our goal is let's get them up to the next level. Let's turn them into followers. And a follower of Jesus is someone that is really really passionate about Christ and all they want to know is what do you want me to do and then they begin to put that into practice and that's a lifelong practice and that goes in layers and that's never over but that's our goal so this has happened different times over the years here at Believers where I'll be in the lobby <clears throat> and someone will wait till everyone's kind of gone 
Then they'll come up to me and say, Pastor Joe, this is my last week here at Believers. I just, I want to just say goodbye. And so I'll ask them, are you moving? No. And I'll say, because I'll do an exit interview right in the lobby, because I, I want to know, did, did we do something? Can I do something to become better? No, so I'll say, did we offend you? No, you didn't offend me. Okay, okay well, um, why, why are you going to go? Well, and this, I've had this happen quite a few times. Well, this church makes me uncomfortable. Uh, well, what makes you uncomfortable? Is it the singing? Is, do I have a piece of lettuce on my tooth when I preach? And I don't know. I don't know. What makes you uncomfortable? Well, I can't sit here without being convicted to change. And I don't like it. So I say, it's not what I'm... I, no, I don't necessarily disagree with you, Pastor. I just don't want to change. And if I sit here, I feel like you're always pressuring me to change. I said, well, I'm not shoving anything down. No, no, no. It's just you, 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 you just bring things up, and then God deals with me, and if I sit here, I'm convicted. I don't want to do that. So then I say, well, listen, be careful, because there's other churches out there in our community like us, so be careful. Uh, and and, and you, you may end up in one of those. Uh, now, you probably could find a church where you won't feel convicted, but the problem is you're not going to grow. The heart of God is to grow us. God wants to grow us. So I don't mind if someone's convicted. I surely don't want people walking out of here condemned. There's quite a difference, you know. People being shamed or people having the Holy Spirit convict them because of scriptures that we're bringing out. Fan, friend, follower. Making disciples is kind of a big deal. Can I, can I thank some people real quick? Um, all of our volunteers, I can't do this by myself, so thank you. Thank you for helping us do what we do here as a church. And all of you that give to believers, thank you for your generosity. It can't be done without the givers. And all of our connect group leaders, man, disciples are being made in connect groups. We have some that are specifically making disciples. Thank you so much for what you guys do because none of this would happen. And I think of the ones working with our kids right now in all the areas I think of everybody working right now, not even in this room, but volunteering. I think of the people that volunteer during the week. We have people that come and clean the church during the week volunteering. That's amazing. Others come and build things and, and fix things, and they're volunteering to do that. It's absolutely amazing. And they're doing what disciples do, volunteering and helping. Thank you guys so much. Can we give it up for everybody in this place that's serving, guys? It, it's, that, it's that important. It's that important. It's how it happens. It's how it's ha it happens. So I want to talk to you about three things that every disciple should be doing. They should be passionate about. And I picked what I would consider the top three. I could give you a fourth and a fifth and a sixth, but we'd be here all day. I don't want to do that. It's, you know, but I do want to give you what I would call the top three. These are really important. Here's number one, disciples... Love, uh, reproduce. We reproduce. And if you're a disciple, you, you'll be about reproducing. So I was with my grandkids. Uh, they were over the house. We were all in the front room talking, and the grandkids were in this little room we set up with some to their toys. So they're in the toy room. And I said, I'm going to go check on the, the grandkids. So I left the adults. And Riley's four, Joey's six. And uh, Riley says, Poppy, sit down and play with us. And I said, okay, I'll sit down and play with you. So she said, I'm mommy, Joey's daddy, and you're the baby. And uh, <coughs> I said, okay, I'm the baby. So she's feeding me fake food with a fake spoon and, 
and, uh, and, then she's, and then she says, I'm going to braid your hair. And she starts braiding my hair, trying, you know, putting all kinds of things in my hair. Then, then it, after that, she puts her hand on my belly. She says, Poppy, are you pregnant? <laughs> she was really sincere. And I said, no, Poppy's not pregnant. Poppy's fat. And, and uh, so then she just goes into this belly laugh. I mean, and it, there's nothing more fun than watching a child belly laugh. And I'm just enjoying her belly laugh. And she's laughing and laughing and laughing. She thought that was the funniest thing ever said. And then Joey, who's six, he kicks me in the stomach really hard. And I'm like, oh, I didn't see it coming because I'm looking at Riley laughing. I said, Joey, Poppy's not that tough. You can't just kick me in the stomach. He says, I'm a ninja. I'm a ninja. And, and I, said, I said, kick the chair. Kick the chair the next time. Riley doesn't know it yet, but she will soon, that men can't reproduce, right? We just, we can't. In the natural, man can't, can't have anything happen at all by himself, and we know that. But Christians, whether we're male or female, we can reproduce. We can, we can be part of the birthing process of new Christians. We can. And we talked about that a lot last week, so I don't want to duplicate things I said last week. If you weren't here, the lesson's free. You can listen to it on our BC app, on any format of any phone, or online, video, audio. It's, it's, it's all free. So you can, you can listen to it if you missed it. But I do want to read a scripture to you. This is John 15, 8, and, and it reads like this. A true disciple's my true disciples produce bountiful harvests. This brings great glory to my Father. And true disciples produce fruit. They produce harvest. And this could be other things that could be fruit, but one of them for sure is bringing people into the kingdom, being part of bringing people into the kingdom, having a passion for bringing people into the kingdom. Now, listen very carefully. I said this last week, but I want to reiterate it. 5% of you or less have the ability to knock on a stranger's door and when they open the door say, hey, I'm here to tell you about Jesus. And usually when you talk about reproducing, people think, oh no, I have to just talk to strangers about Jesus or even just talk to someone I know. Most people don't have uh, the personality to do that. And also the people you know and love, your relatives, people you work with, uh, people in your neighborhood, that you know and love, but they're not Christians, you can't talk to them about Jesus every day. It just, you, have to, you have to look for your moments. And, and that's why this, this goes on to say, listen to Colossians 4, 5. Make the most of your chances to tell others the good news. Be wise with all your contacts with them. Now, being wise with your contacts with them, that's referring to when you're rubbing shoulders with them. So when you rub shoulders with them, use spiritual wisdom. Spiritual wisdom just means shine your light, let them, let them see good things come out of you, let them hear good things come out of your mouth. And you guys know if, you know, if you're working and someone's just always talking negative and always uh, belittling people, you know that you lose respect for them. So us as Christians, we want to make sure we're not letting those types of things come out of our mouth and we're just living the life wherever it is. But then the first part of the verse says, make the most of your opportunity, that's what chances means, to tell others the good news. So there are windows or opportunities, and God just says, keep your eyes open. Now, here's what I found in my life. I passionately pray, and it's not hard. 
people that I love, my relatives, neighbors, friends, people I rub shoulders with around the community that aren't Christians, I, I pray for them regularly, and I just say, God, let them accept Christ like I did. You opened up my eyes, and, and I saw Jesus, and I fell in love with him. Open up their eyes. You did it in the Bible for Lydia. You did it for Peter. Do it for them. Then I say, God, you convicted me that I needed Jesus. You made me feel miserable that I was a sinner. Convict them like you convicted me. I just pray simple prayers like that, and then I look for opportunities. If an opportunity opens, I share. A disciple reproduces. And I encourage you last week, I want to do it one more time. If that's not a passion of yours, ask God to give you a passion to look at the lost and want to see them come into the kingdom. Here's the next thing. A disciple loves. This is really important. You know, Jesus was asked, what's the number one commandment in the Bible? And Jesus said, to love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your mind, all your soul, all your strength. And basically, he's just saying, to love God with every fiber of your being. What does that mean? Well, listen to how Jesus put it. Again, Luke 14, 26. Anyone who wants to be my follower must love me far more than he does his own father, mother, wife, children, brothers, or sisters. Yes, more than his own life. Otherwise, he cannot be my disciple. So a disciple loves. They love God. And take a look at what he's doing. This is fascinating to me. He took the people we love the most, our parents, our siblings, our mate. He took those types of people, and he said, keep loving them, but love me way, way more. I want you to love me more than them. But he gave us something to to gauge, and I want to ask you to do that today. Gauge, ask yourself, am I loving God as much as I love the people Uh, other people in my life because God says whoever you love the most I want you to love me even more and think about when you love someone man you want to please them right you want to you want to just do whatever you can for them think about this in case there's one or two dysfunctional people that that are in the room now we don't have any in this service there might be maybe one or two in second probably were one or two last night this service wouldn't have any dysfunctional people in it but even if you're dysfunctional and you don't love anybody, you, you, you don't love one person. That's why he went on to say, even your own life, because don't we all love e- ourselves? Yeah. So he said, love me more than you love yourself. Well, we all love ourselves a lot. We care about ourselves. We want the best for ourselves. He says, love me even more. So think about it. When I first met my wife in Bible school, I fell head over heels in love with her. And I know that doesn't always happen when people meet their mates. But for me, I just fell head over heels in love with her. And I was living with my brother, Tony, and all I could do is talk about Gina. Tony, Gina this, Gina that. I love her little fingers. I love this. I love that. Oh, this, that. Her smile. Her eyes. And I couldn't stop. So finally, one day, Tony goes, he goes, I'm sure Gina's nice because he hardly knows her. He says, but if I hear her name again, Joe, I'm going to puke. He says, enough of this Gina stuff. But I I just, I got him sick over that love. And, you know, as you are married longer, doesn't that become mature? It's it's not as, it doesn't really look like that. It matures and it becomes a little more quiet. But you know in your heart, I have a passion and I love this person. I love my mate. But it's interesting. 
I did the same thing when I met Jesus, and some of you might have met him and not been as head over heels like I was, but you know, the Bible says the more sin you're forgiven of, the more you love, so <laughs> I was way out there in darkness, so I, I really, I was like, wow, thanks for saving me, I was a creep, and uh, <laughs> I appreciate that, Jesus, thank you. I just fell in love with him, and I was so in love with him, I, all I could do was talk about Jesus, so consequently, people got sick of me talking about Jesus. I didn't know how to what category to put that in and and uh but over time i matured and i know when to talk i know when not to talk i know how to how to do those things but here's what's interesting in revelations chapter 2 verse 5 jesus is writing to the seven churches and in, in, in chapter chapter 2 excuse me verse 5 he writes to the church at ephesus and in verses 1 through 4 you know what he says you guys are the best church on the planet you're, you're incredible Christians. He, he just raved about them. But then in verse 5, he says, I have one thing against you. You've fallen from your first love. Repent. Do the work she did at first. And what is he talking about? I, I know exactly because I fell from my first love with Jesus many times in my walk. And it's, a, it's an interesting thing because what happens is you just grow distant. All of a sudden, you don't love the Bible as much. You don't read it as much. You're not spending as much time in it. All of a sudden, you're not a, you know, head over heels in love with God. That passion wanes. And I can tell you in my Christian walk, I've had to make adjustments many times. And some of you are sitting here saying, I'm at that place where I need to make an adjustment. You're, God's speaking to your heart right now. You say, I, I'm not where I once was. Well, God wants us to stay there. And here's why. It's the same with a marriage, guys. If you grow distant in your passion and your love for each other, and you grow distant from that, walls come up. And then all of a sudden, somebody has an affair. Somebody just says, I don't love you anymore. And, and, and it doesn't just happen. And Christians walk away from God eventually if that wanes. And that's where as disciples, man, we want to work on keeping that love and that passion for Jesus as high as it can be. And here's what I've noticed. This world has a way of tugging on our hearts. It's constantly trying to pull me away from God. I don't know about you. It's constantly trying to consume me with all of its stuff. Some of it's not even bad. It's just trying to get my focus somewhere else. And, and, and I have fun and I enjoy life, but I have to make sure my number one love, I care more about him than anything else on the planet, is Jesus. And you're going to have to ask yourself, do you have that in your life? It's very important that you do. Here's number three. Uh, disciples follow this, this is really important. Listen to Luke 9, 23. Then he said to the crowd, if any of you wants to be my follower, you must turn from your selfish ways, take up your cross daily, and follow me. So I love to take up the cross. That's pretty cool. And I like the fact that Luke said daily because it's understood in other books that it's daily, if, whether you're reading Mark or Matthew. It, it's daily. We pick up our cross daily. The cross is referring to dying. Jesus was nailed on a cross and died on a cross. It's always referring to death. And when the Bible says, pick up your cross, here's, here's what's happening. Did, did you notice it also said, turn from your selfish ways? It's just all about you and I finding out what God wants us to do, seeing it in the Bible, and then we have to make a decision. Am I going to do it or not? Am I going to follow him in this area? And if, if we don't follow him in this area, we, we will stop growing and we won't be a passionate follower. But in order to follow him, we have to nail our desires 
to the cross. And we have to say, you know what? I'm going to die in this area, Jesus. And I'm going to follow you. Listen, listen to how John 8, 31 says it. Jesus said to them, you are truly my disciples if you live as I tell you. If, if I, as I tell you to. So disciples just find out what Jesus says. They put it into practice. So just I'll be transparent, talk to you a little bit about my life. Try to help young people out at first. But I remember I accepted Christ when I was 19. And I was sexually active before I accepted him. And then I'm reading my Bible. And, and I saw in the Bible that Jesus wants us to be sexually pure. No sexual activity until we're married. And sex is created for marriage. And I'm telling you, the debate I had with God, it was a long debate. And I'm like, God, you created this, and it's very fun. And I don't like the fact you're telling me I can't do it. And are you sure? Maybe in our culture it's different. You know, we live in a different culture, Jesus. You know? And I went through all this argument. And then finally, I just, I mean, God makes it real to you. Finally, I said, okay, God, and I nailed that to the cross. I said, all right. And, of course, I had to fight it and, and, you know, fight it off at times, but I nailed it to the cross. This really bothered me, though. I was reading scriptures, and Jesus said, if you lust after a woman or a man in your heart, you've already committed adultery with them. Now I'm like, because I had all these uncles growing up, and all my uncles would say, it's okay to look, just don't touch. And so that's what they used to tell us. And, and so I'm like, Jesus, isn't it in the Bible that it's okay to look, just don't touch? It's like, no, that's not in the Bible. Um, and I'm like, well, Jesus, you're, taking, you're telling me I can't get into porn? I can't do anything? It, lusting in my mind's the same as having sex? And, and that, that was quite a debate. And I remember pew, pew, picking up my cross, nailing that to the cross, and saying I'll die in that area of my life. Now, as tough as that was, you know, it was even harder. When I read in the Bible, I'm supposed to forgive my enemies and pray for them. I had a lot of talk with God because I believe more in vengeance and uh, kind of grew up in that culture. And, and so it's like, God, are, are, are you crazy? How can I forgive someone that's wronged me and hurt me? And I remember coming to the place where I said, okay, God, I'll, I'll nail that to the cross. And it happens over. It's still happening in my life. God will deal with me about not saying certain things not thinking certain things. And, and it could be something that no one else would even think is a sin, but he deals with me and says, Joe, I want you to grow in this area. I remember when I saw we're not supposed to cuss. I, I was a professional cusser. And I'm like, let no foul communication come out of your mouth. Let, I'm like, God, this, I almost cussed when I was arguing with him. <laughs> what the blank, God? And uh, seriously, I'm, I'm being honest now. This is not right. But I remember when I said, I'm going to nail that to the cross. It's just growth, guys. We have to grow. And we, we grow by following him. Disciples reproduce. Disciples love. Disciples follow. Now, as I'm talking, the Holy Spirit's dealing with hearts. So in a couple minutes, we're going to pray. We're going to pray and just give you a chance to say to God, hey, I want to grow in this area. And this is what people talk about. It only happens once in a while when they say, I'm leaving the church because you make me feel uncomfortable. Um, yeah, sometimes you, you got to just tell people this is, we're supposed to grow. And it could be in all kinds of areas that we need to grow and change. So we're going to pray in a minute. If you weren't with us last week, and most of you were, 
I'm taking this series as four lessons, and at the end, I'm taking about five minutes, maybe six, and I'm just giving you an update on our 210 initiative, and then I'm asking people that are newer here, or maybe people that couldn't help us last year, uh, to jump in and help us. And I'm also thanking people uh, that have pledged. Thank you guys for your generosity. I so appreciate it. God appreciates it. And I also want to say this. If you're here today and you're visiting, I'm going to talk about the fact we need to raise some money. And I want you to know I'm not expecting you to give any money at all. I want you to know that up front. And uh, what I want you to notice is we care about people that aren't in this church so much, people that don't know God, and maybe you do, but others that don't know God. We care so much that we want to make this church better. We need to raise money to do some things that have to be done so we can reach more people. And if you're, you're, you're here for a while, but you haven't decided this is your church, I, I like to say you're dating believers, and you're not sure if you want to commit to this is my church. Um, I'm not asking you to give. You can give if you want to, but uh, I'm not saying you have to. But I'm asking everyone here that says, Pastor Joe, this church is growing me. This church is helping me. I'm asking you to consider helping. And all of you that did, I'm not asking you to do anything else. Thank you. But I'm asking people to jump in for the last year. That, that's what we're doing. So let me show you um, where we're at. And this is something I'm excited about. Our goal was to raise $6 million. I'll show you in a moment what it's for. And there are brochures in our lobbies at the 210 Center. If you're new here and you want to take a brochure home, it will give you all the details. But here's where we're at, guys. Uh, we need to raise $6 million over two years, and we're at $5 million. And I think we should say, we should just celebrate. Can we celebrate for a moment? Say, that's pretty cool, man. That's awesome. Now, let me tell you what that $5 million is. That's pledges and expected giving. So here's what expected giving is. Expected giving is people that didn't pledge, uh, but we took what they gave last year, and we just we said, well, if they gave it last year, they'll probably give it this year. We took out any big gifts. If someone gave a big gift last year, we didn't count that. But we just looked at people's regular giving, and we said, okay, they gave that. They'll probably give it again. And so that's pledges and expected giving. This is important for me to say. And some, some, some people tell, you, tell me I shouldn't say this, but I'm a real transparent guy. I, I don't know what any of you give, okay? And I want, you to make, I want to make sure you know that. And I don't want to know what you give. Uh, if you want me to know, you can tell me. But when you see me in the lobby, I don't want you to think, oh, no, he knows I didn't give to 210. I, I, I don't know if you gave or not. Um, they just tell me numbers. I just know numbers. And that's all I want to know. But I do want you to know this is really important, and we're going to need people to jump in. And, and I'm praying that God will show you in your heart what you can do to help us. So when you give, uh, we call this the one fund. Here's where the money goes. It goes uh, to... Um, our annual ministry cost, and I want to say this about the annual ministry cost, uh, ju just so you know, you know, you have your lighting bills and all that. When we built this room and the office complex, um, we raised millions of dollars, but we still had to borrow four million on top of that, and uh, our loan now is at two million eighty-eight thousand. That's really exciting, and our monthly payment is twenty-one thousand one hundred sixty-four dollars a month. So just so you know. Uh, aren't you glad your house payment isn't, isn't that high? I, I can tell you I am. Uh, that's really high. But, you know, it just takes money to pay the bills, okay? It takes money to do that. And, and then in the middle, you see all of our outreaches. Jefferson, we're, we're ministering uh, to some underprivileged children, missions, uh, foreign missions. 
campus expansion. We're so excited about taking what we're doing here, making disciples, connecting the city with God, and, and taking it over to the Boardman area. We're excited about that. And then we help the needy, and, and BCTV is doing an incredible job reaching people. And then there's building renovations. That's all on our student side over there, guys, and the brochure will give you all the details. But the other side of the building's old. It's really old, and it's falling apart. You know, their sound system in their room, the greatest singer in the world will not sound good coming through it. Not because our sound guys aren't great. It's just old speakers, old this, old that. And it's just not in the regular budget for me to go replace all that. So we said, let's, let's, let's have our people help us. Let's give them an opportunity to be generous so God can bless their life at a higher level. And, and let's raise some money. So uh, that, that renovation is 1300000 I think, and 50000 So just to show you what the renovation is going to cost. So how can we reach our $6 million goal, okay? Um, I prayed about this. I water fasted over it. And I've just been, you know, praying and asking God. And, and here's what I came up with. Uh, those that pledge fulfilling their pledges, and I have no doubt you will, but Gene and I intend to fulfill ours. And then we need some large donations. Every church, if they're going to reach their goal, needs people of means to, to throw in some large donations, and we have those kind of generous people here. And then we need 210 additional giving units jumping in for the remaining year. And I call it giving units uh, just because it could be a single person or it could be a couple. And we have, we have hundreds of people that uh, are new, and we have some folks last year that couldn't for different things going on in their life. But, but here's what I know. If we can get 210 of you to jump in, and begin to give to 210 for one year, just for one year, the last year. Maybe some of you can drop something in this year and then begin also to give next year. Uh, we'll reach our $6 million. I think we'll, we'll blow it out of the water if all of us just jump in. It's going to take all of us. But let me say this to you, okay? If, if, you, if this is your church and, you know, you're struggling, maybe, maybe you're on a fixed income, whatever it might be, I'm not asking you to give big chunks. But I want to encourage you to jump in. If it's only $5 a month, jump in. Join the party. Become part of, part of what God's doing because God will bless you for, for, for your sacrifices, guys. He'll bless you. And, and then I want to encourage you, make sacrifices because, you know, take a look at your finances and ask, you know, am I blowing 10 bucks a day on coffee? You know, can, can I take it down to five or what, whatever you might blow? Say, say, God, what can I do? And I'm just asking you to pray because can you all agree if I was a used car salesman, I'd starve? I, I'm just not that kind of pusher, but I've learned this. Just be honest with people, say this is our need, and trust the Holy Spirit that he can deal with every one of our hearts. And I'm just going to ask you to pray about it, guys. And if all of us jump in, if you're here and you're not giving anything, think of how much it would bless 210 if you just started to give consistently. He says, we're just going to give 5% or whatever it is. We're going to start giving that every month. We're going to set it up electronically so we never forget and just think of people that don't give start to give. At whatever level they can, God will meet you at that level. Just think about if we all jumped in. It's going to be amazing. So two weeks from today, we're going to have this really special thing. It's called Heart for the House and 210, uh, 210 One-Year Commitment Weekend. So that would be the weekend you'd fill out a pledge if, if you're not already. For those of us that have pledged, I'm not going to fill one out because I already did. But for those that haven't, you'd fill out a pledge card. And then heart for the house offering is what we did last year. And here's what that is, guys. You just say, hey, I look at my finances. I can throw this amount in in a special offering. Gene and I are going to throw something in, even though we pledge. It's just one special offering. And we, can, we could raise 
a nice chunk that helps us get closer to that $6 million. So pray about that. It's going to be two weeks from today. And you'll, if you want to take a look at the commitment cards ahead of time, they're in the lobbies at either 210 booth. And just ask God, what can I do to make this happen? And God, he's so cool. He'll, he'll show you. He just wants you to have a heart for it. And, and I could have did a segment, Disciples Are Generous, because we are. And just ask God, what level can I be generous on? And, and let God deal with your heart. And I'm really excited about this weekend coming up. So that's two weeks from today, guys. So um, mark that in. I, I can't be sick on two weeks from today. Um, I, and I know some of you may be out of town or whatever, but you can also do yours uh, following week. And if you're here and you struggle with pledge cards, um, understand we're not going to send a collector after you if you sign a pledge card. What it does is it just helps us know this is what we have to work with. It's really helpful. So again, guys, thank you. I'm just planting a seed, asking you to pray. Can we close our eyes, bow our heads? Now I want to take us back to a disciple. A disciple reproduces. A disciple loves. A disciple follows. Heads are bowed. Eyes are closed. Father, we thank you. You love us right where we're at, but you love us enough to not let us stay where we're at, Lord. You're growing us. Thank you for growing us, Jesus. And I, Lord, we just want to make a commitment to you today, all of us Christians. If we're not following, we're going to begin to follow Jesus. But if we are, we're going to keep following him with a passion. And if you're sitting here and you say, Pastor Joe, God dealt with me to forgive. God dealt with me to pray for people that have hurt me. God dealt with me to become more pure, whatever it is, to stop cussing or whatever it might be. God dealt with me. You don't have to speak this loud. You can whisper it. But would you make a commitment right now to God and say, God, I'm making a commitment to follow you in this area. Just say, God, I'm going to nail this thing to the cross. I'm, I'm going to pick my cross up every day and say no to myself and say yes to following you. Take that God moment right now. Just take a second. Thank you, Jesus. Stay in that attitude of prayer for just a second. Thank you, Jesus. Let's stay in an attitude of prayer. Heads are bowed, eyes are closed. If you're here and you're not sure if you're forever, you're not sure if you were to die, if you'd go to heaven or to hell, listen up. The good news is Jesus, who always existed, was born as a baby, grew up and suffered every temptation we do. They wanted to crown him king, and he said, no, I came to die to set people free. He, he died on the cross. He died. And he died for the sins of the entire world. They buried him. He spent three days, three nights in the heart of the earth. Then God raised him from the dead, and Jesus is alive. And he said, whoever believes in me, I'll save them. That's pretty cool. If you're here today and you can't remember a moment in your life where you made it real with Jesus and you said, I believe I'm accepting you as my Savior. I'm going to follow you, Jesus. I'm going to make you my Lord. If you can't remember that moment in your life, I want to pray with you right now. Listen very carefully. I'm not asking you to join our church. I'm not asking you if you're a member of a Christian church somewhere else. I'm not asking you if you were water baptized as a baby or an adult. All those are great things. 
You can be a member of a church and not know Jesus. Here's what I'm asking. Can you remember the time, the moment, when you made it real with Jesus? And if you can't, you say, Pastor Joe, I'm ready to do that now. Would you pray with me right now? Heads are bowed, eyes are closed. Everyone else, would you help them? Just say this after me. Say, Lord God, I realize I'm a sinner. I repent for all my sins. In this day, I give my heart to Jesus. Jesus, I believe. <laughs> Amen. Thank you for listening to the BC Podcast. Follow us at A City Connected on Twitter and Instagram to stay updated, inspired, and encouraged.